Well, good morning. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. It is a delight to have you here to be together with you as we engage and seek uh, after God. Uh, I want to welcome anyone who's watching on live stream or anyone who's watching or listening later on to our podcast. I'm thankful uh, for all the different ways we have to be able to connect and, and participate together in our pursuit of uh, God. Will you please pray, uh, pray with me? God, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence in our lives. Um, God, and I, I just gotta say, right, you're, you're kind of sneaky sometimes. Um, you present yourself in ways that we don't expect, at times we don't expect, and so, so I pray for any of us who are, are here today and, and it, it feels like this is just what we do, um, uh, that, that although that may be true, this is just what we do, uh, it is also so much more. Um, that you, the living God, the creator of the universe, uh, is present here with us. Holy Spirit, that you are present and dwelling in the lives of people here, moving, keeping, sustaining, um, and you're living right in our midst. And so I pray we would attend to you uh, in this space, in this time we have today, uh, and that you would stir and move us. I ask this in Jesus' name, uh, amen. Well, we are in week two of a sermon series entitled Change. Um, and last week we explored this, uh, this reality that, that in order to navigate change well, you have to know yourself and you have to know God. That those, those are really key things that can help you navigate through different kinds of changes if you're aware of who you are and who God is. And that we discovered by looking at the life of this guy named Jacob that uh, God was present in his life in so many different ways, in so many different areas. In fact, you could say his whole life. And when we looked at it last week, what we discovered was God was present in Jacob's life in his birth, in his naming, eating, his family, sleeping and dreaming, courting, dating, marriage, his work, his sex life, home, his calling, his parenting style, and even his death. His whole life, God was present, moving, communicating, active in all those areas. And that knowing yourself and knowing your God, you have to be uh, uh, participating uh, role in your own life. We can't just be sort of a passenger, we have to be participating. Uh, and that change and knowing yourself and knowing who God is takes time, um, it, it takes work, it's effort, it's ongoing, it's a process, it's, it's continual and it is over our whole lives. Just this morning, on a morning where I was like, yep, gonna go to church, I'm gonna preach, I got a core meeting afterwards, I had it all kinda in my head, this is how it's gonna go. I received two words from God. Not at all what I expected. Very life-giving, very uh, amazing. Um, but again, I could just be in my mode. Yep, okay, fine, I gotta get on with stuff. Or I could be an observant participator in my life. Right? I can take these things and go, that's the Lord speaking to me. Those are things I have to pay attention to. So even this morning, 
What's, what's happening with you? Um, as, as we go through today, I wanna talk about uh, two different types of change uh, that can happen. One is self-initiated and the other is other-initiated. In the self-initiated one, we observe and participate in our lives uh, in a way that allows us to honestly and accurately evaluate where we are or what we're doing and make an informed decision about what kind of next steps we need to take that may or may not involve change. Okay, so this might be something like, uh, say I decide, you know what, I wanna, I wanna be taking better care of the environment. So I'm gonna drive my car less and I'm gonna ride my bike more, I'm gonna walk more, do something along those lines. Okay, so that's the self-initiated one. The other initiated one is when someone else who uh, has influence on your life in some way, shape, or form is observing and participating in things and, and then they tell you what the next steps are going to be. They tell you how things are gonna go and, and, and how things are gonna happen. Now this doesn't have to just come from a person. Uh, this can be from a system or a culture or the universe. Uh, it can come from a lot of different places. So an example of this is uh, now in Seattle, if I wanna buy a pop, I have to pay extra taxes on that. Okay, so that's someone telling me, these are the new rules, this is how it's gonna go, uh, and, and that's what you have to do. But. There's this dance between these two that is constantly going on because one will often facilitate opportunities for the other. Okay, so say I decide I wanna protect the environment more, I'm gonna drive my car less, I wanna ride my bike more, but that means I have to learn a whole bunch of rules about what it means to ride a bike on the road. I also have to learn that there's other people who don't know those rules and they're driving cars. And so now there's all kinds of confusion and I have to be aware of that, and so there are. Now, I've made a decision that puts me in a place where I have to now be in a place where other people are impacting my decisions, okay? The, the, the extra taxes on, on sugar drinks, right? That's fine, they're gonna tell me how that has to be, but now I have to decide whether or not it's worth it for me to participate in that system. Do I wanna pay that extra tax? No, fine, don't buy sugary drinks, right? So they're, they're constantly dancing back and forth. And in the passage we're gonna look at today, I hope you see how this is gonna be working itself out. Um, now, I'm looking at this, and this is not what I wanted, so um, I'm gonna ignore that. You're gonna have to uh, bear with me for just a moment. Um, my passages, this is for last week, so uh, hang on, I'm gonna get my passages real quick. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out and go to Numbers uh, 27, one through 11. Um, uh, yep. Or if someone can pull that up back there. That would be fantastic too. Um, does anyone have their Bible? <laughs> Want to read Numbers one, or Numbers twenty-seven, one through one through eleven? Sure. That'd be great. Moses brought their case before the Lord. The Lord replied to Moses, 
claim of the daughters of Zelophehad is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to his daughters. And if he has no daughter either, transfer his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. But if his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative of his clan. This is a legal requirement for the people of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Amen. Thank you, Clint. So, we have these five daughters, the daughters of Zelophehad, which, when I say that, I want to have like the, the, the song of the Schuyler sisters from Hamilton playing, right? Because there's this kind of tone to it. Um, uh, guys, they're not in there. It keeps... I, I got it in there. Okay, wait. I'm going to get rid of this then. Okay. Because this is changing from slides from last week, and it's confusing me, and I'm hitting it backwards. And... Sorry. No, no, no. No, it's not... I'm glad we had this conversation to, to clear that up. Uh, so, so we got these five daughters, right? And they're named Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Tirza. And I want to point out, I think it's really important that they're named. And uh, names in the Bible are important, uh, but I think it's important that these five women are named. Uh, one of the things I discovered when I studied this was a person who noted that oftentimes uh, women in the Bible are given uh, descriptor names, but not their actual names. So the woman at the well. The woman who was bleeding, right, and, and other instances. And so they said it's just always good whenever a, a woman is named, just, just mention that, just bring that up. And so I want to honor that by, by naming um, these women as, as Scripture did. Um, but what they do is, is they come to the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now the tent of meeting is this place, the Holy of Holies is there, and only uh, Moses and the high priest and select leaders are supposed to be even around this space. And so you got the tent of meeting in this big structure around it that protects it. Uh, and so you have this entrance gate, and at the entrance gate, uh, up to this point in the Bible, so Genesis up to where we're at in Numbers, this phrase, entrance of the tent of meeting, has been mentioned 47 times. Uh, and it's all for very serious things. It's for worship, cleansing rituals, sacrifices, ordination. And there's a couple of times where God will tell Moses, you need to get everyone together at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And so that's where they're at. They're at this entrance and they just present themselves. Okay, in Numbers 27, 1b through 4, and this one I have so we can, uh, but it says, again, their names, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Tirzah. They came forward and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and said, our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us, pro our, give us property among our father's relatives. Now, this, this thing about getting property goes back to the previous chapter in Numbers 26. Uh, there's uh, a second census that is being taken among the Israelites. And uh, in Numbers 26, 52 through 56, it says, the Lord said to Moses, the land is to be allotted to them as an inheritance based on the number of names in their clans. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance. To a smaller group, give a smaller one. Each is to receive its inheritance according to the number of those listed. Be sure that the land is distributed by lot, 
what each group inherits will be according to the names for its ancestral tribe. Each inheritance is to be distributed by lot among the larger and smaller groups. And so there's this census happening where they're, they're, they're dividing up into clans and into tribes so that Moses can say, okay, you get this much land, you get this much land, etc., etc. except for the, the Levites. And this guy, Zelophehad, comes up because uh, he's listed as a descendant of Manasseh. Uh, who is one of Joseph's sons, who is of, uh, of Egyptian ethnicity. And we learned last week that Jacob, or this guy who's also called Israel, blessed the two of uh, Joseph's sons who were of Egyptian heritage, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he said at that point that these two sons, these two, they're grandchildren, but these two are now gonna be my sons. They're gonna be on equal terms with my other sons. And so that's how we get this tribe uh, and this clan. And so Zelophehad is of, of Manasseh's uh, descendant. He didn't have any sons, so his land is gonna be passed on to his brothers and his name, according to his daughters, is gonna disappear from his clan in, in that transactions. And so the first thing I wanna bring up with that is that these, these five daughters, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah, in this change they're trying to make, they risk. And change always, 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 you can write it 100 times and underline it, change always requires risk. They risk themselves, they risk their reputation. They're standing at the entrance of the tent of meeting. It's a place where not just anyone, let alone at that time, a woman is supposed to just present themselves in front of not just the leaders, but the entire assembled people. They're taking a huge risk in doing this. They're also taking a risk because the plan that they're sort of speaking out against, like, hey, there's this spot in this plan that doesn't seem to cover everyone, is the Lord's plan. It wasn't something that Moses just came up with. This was given to him by God. And so it could easily be seen that by coming in and and presenting this sort of, hey, there's this alternative, there's this tweak we need to make, it could be seen that they're working against the Lord. And this person they brought up just a a little while ago, Korah, uh, said, you know, our dad's not part of that group. He was, uh, led this little mini rebellion and ended up dying because he was working against God. They're also risking the loss of land and their inheritance, both for them and for their tribe. If the land gets passed on to somebody else, they're most likely gonna be left homeless. So there's an inheritance for them, but it's also for their tribe, for the flourishing and the wellness of their tribe. There's also the loss of their father's name and the place in the clan and in history that that has. We, We talked a moment ago about the importance of being named. They're defending their father's name. They clear it again, saying, he wasn't part of that other group that rebelled against you, Moses, don't worry. And so there's a plea to honor their father. I don't know if you've ever had moments where you were in situations where you had to risk something to try to change something like this. Um, When I was in the sixth grade, uh, I was at the bus stop with my good friend Danny Sudich. And Danny Sudich and I were talking because our school, uh, we had a new school building that was being built and in the meantime we were in this satellite location and we had heard that uh, 
the new school was, it was gonna open after Christmas break, so we'd be returning there in January, but we had heard that when we returned there, the sixth graders were gonna be put in portables because the school didn't have enough space to house everyone, so they're gonna put the sixth graders in portables. And we were just, we were like, that, that's not right. Like, as sixth graders, we've been part of this school for our whole school lives, right? This is all we know. And we deserve to be in the building, right? All these other people are going to come in. You could put anyone else in the portables, and then next year, they'd get time back in the building. But we felt like we were the only group that was going to go to this school and never get time in the building. And so we felt we were being overlooked. So, as great sixth grade minds do... We put together a plan. And that morning on the bus, we talked to every other sixth grader on the bus. And we got out a sheet of paper. And we had them write their names on this sheet of paper. Our school bus got to school before any other school buses. And so our school bus got there. We got off and we waited where all the school buses let kids off. And we found every sixth grader we could and had them sign this piece of paper. There were a few that we missed, but we felt like we got most of them. A few minutes before school was going to start, before the bell rang, there were about 30 of us gathered together in this pack. We walk into the, into the school office, and then about five of us kind of split off, Danny and I leading the group with a petition in hand, and just walked straight into Mr. Williamson's office. He was the principal. And Mr. Williamson looked up and said, well, hello, gentlemen. Right? Kind of looking at us like, who are you in my office unannounced? Right? No, usually I get a, a heads up on this. Uh, and we said, Mr. Williamson, we have this petition signed by every sixth grader we could find, and we think it's unfair that we don't get to spend any time in the new building, and we're going to be put in the portables, and da da da. We went down our list, and we handed him the petition. He listened to us, he sat there, and then as the bell rang, he said, Hey, This is a brave move, right? And I appreciate your bringing this to my attention. I will certainly give it a a good look, looking. I'll look over it. I I want you to know that I'm listening to you, okay? But he said the bell rings, so you gotta get back to class. So we went to class, and within about 10 minutes, so the way it was set up that we had kind of these, they're like three uh, portables, but they're kind of slammed together and they had uh, those walls that you can take, you know, open and close. And so we had three sixth grade classes that had these walls and we were broken up at times and sometimes they opened them all up and we were pulled together. This one teacher though, within about 10 minutes of class starting, stopped everyone and said, I need all the sixth graders down here. Um, And he pulled us all down into his room and he lectured us and these were the exact words he said. You are sixth graders. You are children. You don't have rights, and you do not protest. You don't sign petitions, and you do not do these things. And then he went on, and then Danny and I got a special lecture outside of that uh, and, and missed a couple recesses. But that next year, we were not in the portables. Right, So we felt like, okay, so we got this lecture saying, no, you can't do this, but when we talked to Mr. Williamson, Mr. Williamson was like, no, I hear you guys, I hear you. He, I felt like he respected us, he listened to us, uh, and, and took it into consideration, right? I don't know how much, I don't even know to this day if that was, if it was actually true that we were gonna be in the portables. It, <laughs> it just took us thinking that to get this whole thing going. But um, 
And, and I think the thing, I, as, as I shift into my second point here, because the, the second point is, is in Numbers 27, 4, where it says, so Moses brought their case before the Lord. And before we get into that, that, that what it means, first of all, is that Moses listened to these daughters, these five. He legitimately listened when he could have easily brushed them off. He could have said in his heart, no way. Oh yeah, I'll take it to God. Hmm. Nope, God says no. Done, right? He has all the authority to do that. He could have just said, what are you doing here? Get out. It's not the way we do this. And he could have just brushed them off that way. They could have been in a lot more trouble. But it says that Moses brought their case before the Lord. Do we take the things on our hearts, the things that are going on with us, do we take them to the Lord? And what does that mean, right? Do we just go, here Lord, have this, and I'm off? Do we sit down for a long time and try and work it out? I think it's a lot of that and then some stuff in between. And, and, and the only way I can do this is to recount a couple of moments from my own life where I've taken things to the Lord in different ways. One was uh, when um, I finished my campus ministry internship at Western and Angie and I were trying to figure out where we were gonna go. Like where did God want us to go? Where is he inviting us to go? And so we took a weekend and we went away and we, we, we had like eight different options and we had them all out on the table and we had little stats about the different towns and the different schools and what they were like and they had this, I remember, did we have a dry erase board? I felt like we had a dry erase board, okay. I always imagine a dry erase board but, uh, it, but we had stuff, we were working all this stuff out and, and it was just really difficult and these lots looked good and then we did this process called forced choice where you just just, if you have a list of eight, you take the top one and you vote against the second one, and then you take the top one and vote against the third one, top one and the fourth one, you take the second one and the third one, and you go through all of them that way. And what we found out is really, when all spread out like that, it looked really hard, but when we did it that way, there were really two that stuck out, and it was Western Michigan and the University of Washington. And then we voted those two against each other, and it came out University of Washington, and we were like, I never would have thought the Lord would have worked that way, that this voting system would have been the thing that God would have sort of used to help us decide where we wanna go, but it was. And then we spent, you know, I spent 14 years doing campus ministry at University of Washington. Yeah, right, it was a great time in my life, right? And God did all kinds of wonderful things. Now. When I decided to get out of campus ministry, time for me to transition out, there were lots of ways that decision came about, but uh, in April of that, my last year on campus, I came here to this building, because the church had moved by that point, uh, is in, and it was in 2012, and I came here to print some stuff off. And I walked in those doors, and I glanced down that hallway, and Rich and Dennis were in the purple room having a staff meeting, uh, and they heard me and peeked out and said, Greg, you should come down here. I said, okay, and I came in, and Dennis said, yeah, I'm, I'm moving on, right? I'm going back down to California, and kind of gave me the backstory and said, you and Rich should think about doing something. And in my plan, I was like, but I had planned on finishing that year and taking a year off and figuring out who I was and knowing myself and all that stuff. And 
And I had all these things, well, I got this year, maybe I'll do part-time and blah, 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 and Dennis and Rich had some questions for me to think about, and as I walked out, the sense I had was God telling me, you know, lots of times I've guided you, I've given you lots of options, right now this is what you're doing. Oh. <laughs> well, we had talked, I thought we had that year thing. Right now, this is what you're doing. Okay, right? So, and then even the decision for Angie and I to move into this neighborhood closer to this church. We'd lived in Wallingford for 17 years. We had campus ministry house, we had students living with us. It was a glorious time, wonderful time. And as we, the church moved, and as they came on staff here, it was felt like, boy, it'd be great to be closer in the neighborhood and all this stuff. And Rich and I took this certification thing through Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. It was about uh, leadership in the new parish, about being rooted in your place and knowing your place and all this stuff. And it just felt like, ah, oh, that sense of moving. And, and I realized that in 2012, I had brought it to the Lord. Should we move? I didn't hear anything. Until January of 2017. Five years later, I was sitting and talking with a friend of mine, and in the middle of that conversation, the Lord said, okay, now you can move. <laughs> okay, what? So then we moved. In April 2017, we moved into Radford Court Apartments, and then in August 2017, we moved into our house. Okay, so sometimes you take it to the Lord, you don't hear anything for the long time, and the Lord brings it back up. And sometimes you take it to the Lord, and he tells you right away. And sometimes in those conversations, we respond. I know this doesn't happen for anyone else's family, but sometimes in my house, I call out to my kids, girls! And I can hear them. Girls! I can still hear them, and then there's a change in my tone, and then they go, oh, Dad, yeah, sorry, we didn't hear you, which reveals that they knew I called them before, because <laughs> if they didn't hear me, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have known that I was, right? Sometimes we respond to God like that when he's, he's got change for us. Greg, hang on, hang on, I, got, I know you're, I got some stuff I'm working on. Greg, no, this is what you're doing. Oh, good. Or the times when my kids say, just a second, just a minute, which I do that too, and I realize I am a horrible judge of one second or one minute uh, in those moments. But, um, but so bringing it to the Lord has all these kinds of different aspects to it, but somehow we gotta get it to the Lord and then be patient and, and wait and be open because what happens in this case is these daughters, they bring their case to Moses, Moses takes it to the Lord, and the end result is that God says, yep, they're exactly right. And the, 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 the phrasing that's used in Numbers 26, 11 is that this is to have the force of the law for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. So not only is he saying this is a good idea, I affirm it, but the words that these women, these daughters produced are the words that are to have the same impact as my words. They are the force of the law as the Lord commanded Moses. So Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, Tirzah, their words, God says, those are as good as mine. Right, I'm bringing this, I'm affirming that. So, first point, change involves risk. Second point, 
Uh, take it to the Lord. Third point, then just do it. Step into that dance. Right? The daughters, their life gives them some circumstances. Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, Tirza, life gives them some things to deal with. The death of their father. These new societal, cultural, political rules about how land is gonna be divided and it's gonna cause them to potentially be homeless. And so they respond because they are observant participants in their own lives enough to know that they can make an informed decision saying, I don't wanna be in that space. I want things to change. So I'm gonna appeal to someone who I know can make a change. Maybe I don't know the other systems, maybe I don't know the exact route to get to where I need to, but I know Moses, I knew Mr. Williamson, the principal of the school, he could do something. So they go to Moses in front of everybody because it's worth it. They're breaking cultural norms, religious norms, but it's worth it. And Moses, in his step in this dance, listens, hears, respects, the word of people that the, the, the culture and the religious system say in that moment you shouldn't listen to, Moses listens, takes it to the Lord, and then the Lord affirms it and says, yep, absolutely. It's this dance. And I wanna ask you just to think about where you are in your relationship with God and your relationship with others in that kind of dance. Do you feel like you're more on the, oh, I'm on the, I'm on the self-initiating side right now, like I'm really having a lot of control in my life and I feel like I can observe and see things really well and I'm able to make really well-informed decisions. Or, like I said about myself last week, are you looking at Google Calendar, everything that's faded is in the past, everything bright is in the future or the present, so you just go to the first bright column and no, doesn't even matter what day it says on the top, I just know that first bright column, that's the thing that I have to follow for today, right? I'm not in, I'm not making uh, the self-initiated decisions about my life. I'm just in constant response to what my calendar tells me or something like that, okay? And there's a part of me that wants that to change. So now I have to take into that, right? I take it to the Lord. Is it healthy to be in that? And the Lord really clearly, even this morning, has told me no. No, it's not healthy to be in that. So now I have to figure out some things to do to change that. But where are you at? What's your general rhythm, your general sense in life? Do you feel more on the self-initiating side, more on the other initiating? Other people in other systems are, are putting change on you, telling you how you have to behave. Because Jesus says that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. The burden and the yoke of these other systems is not. It's heavy. It holds us down. It traps us. It keeps us from living a a flourishing life. The life of Jesus and the life we have in Jesus opens us up to new realities, new potentials, where it says faith like a mustard seed can move mountains. My mustard seed faith in my Google calendar doesn't move anything. So it turns it all upside down. You can have a little faith and it can do a lot. So where are you at? I have a couple of questions I wanna wanna close with. We might have those. Yes. Nope. Last week's. Okay. (laughs) So. You can listen, I'll read them. Uh, The first one is, are there things in your life that you would like to change? Okay, just yes or no. 
If you want to be specific, write down your connection card, you can. Um, and then uh, if you write your answers down on the connection card, we'll take those and have ways for us to pray for you. Uh, but you can just write them down and keep them for yourself too. So are there things in your life you would like to change? First, with that, what's at risk? And that change that you would like to make, what's at risk? What are the things that, that might be, oh, if I do that, that's gonna cost me this. Secondly, how might you take that to the Lord? For some people it is. I'm just gonna go take 10 minutes and sit down somewhere on a bench and just talk to God about it and then leave it to him and he'll get back to me when he can. Or when he wills, sorry. Um, for other people it's gonna be a longer process. Right, so what's your process? How might you take it to the Lord? And lastly, what would it look like for you to make steps to initiate that change that you want to see happen? What are the first couple steps you could take? Maybe for the daughters, um, for Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Tirza. Maybe for them it was them just sitting down and talking and then they were like, we gotta talk to somebody. Maybe that was the first step was figuring out, we just gotta talk to somebody to make this change. Who could we talk to? I don't know, maybe, oh, well, let's go talk to Moses. And I'm sure someone was like, no way. No, we gotta go talk to Moses, we can do it, okay? So those are, those are the questions. Are the things in your life you'd like to change? What's the risk? How might you take it to the Lord? And what would it look like to make that change? Uh, I'm gonna invite the worship team and the prayer team back up. I will say, uh, if you have these changes that are either happening or you would like to have happen in your life uh, and it's feeling difficult, please come up and, and be prayed for, right? And it's a great, a great space to be able to do that and receive prayer and encouragement. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna pray. The worship band's gonna play for a minute, give you a second to respond to those questions. You can put those connection cards in the wood boxes and then we'll close with a song. God, <sighs> Lord, we in this idea of sort of taking things to you, we wanna bring things to you, God. We really just wanna bring our lives before you. God, and in all situations, I, I think about times I've been told things like, yep, yeah, take those things you're struggling with and things like that and, and leave those at the door as you come in to worship. Um, that, that those don't have any place in, 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 in sort of God's space of worship. And, and I just feel like that's such a not, <laughs> it's not true. Uh, God, that, that I think what you invite us to do is bring exactly who we are and exactly what we're struggling with into the place of worship and take it to you and say, what do I do with this? I worship, I'm worshiping you with this going on in my life. What, what, does that have a space here? And then let you say where that belongs. And if it doesn't belong in our life, then ask you to help us remove it. My God, there are, there are lots of things that, that we want to change in our life and in this world. Um, and I think the risk sometimes feels like it's too much, it's too costly. Um, help us to know when it's worth the risk. God, help us to have insight. Holy Spirit, speak to us and give us insight to know when it's worth the risk. Who do we need to talk to? Do we need to go to Moses? Maybe. But help us to always bring it to you and to always listen openly and act on the things that you guide us into and direct us to. So help us to do this as we explore some of what it means to be a church in Seattle in this day and age and how we can best fulfill the mission that you have invited us to. Uh, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.